0: Our thanks, Thanksgiving <clears throat> pardon me, meditation this year is from Colossians, the first chapter, with an emphasis on verses 12 through 14. <clears throat> However, I would like to begin reading at verse 9, a prayer of the Apostle Paul that began in verse 3. We're coming into the midst of, but we're picking up at verse 9, Colossians, the first chapter. Bow with me in prayer. Almighty God and our Father in heaven, indeed we are thankful for the inerrant word of God. Where would we be without the word? Life without God's word is absurd. And as we on this Thanksgiving day turn to a portion of Paul's prayers in which we find it filled with thanksgiving, we ask that our hearts might be informed as to how we also should give thanks on this day, but not only on this day, but every day. And Father, if there are those who, for whatever reason, cannot give thanks, especially someone who is far from Thee, who does not know Thee, then help them to see, Heavenly Father, that the fact that they are here, that they're still alive, that they can hear the Gospel is reason for thanks. Indeed, we pray that this day that person may be saved by grace. Bless now as we read this portion of Scripture and as we hear it briefly expounded. Bless it to our hearts where the great need lies. In Jesus' name, amen. Please take your copy of God's Word and stand. (coughs) Pardon me. Colossians chapter 1, I'm beginning, beginning to read at verse 9. This is the Word of God. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit and every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. And this is where we pick it up this morning. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The word of the Lord, please be seated. The prayers of the Apostle Paul are such models for us, and especially those portions of his prayers that are filled with thanksgiving. Before these verses, going all the way back to verse three, The Apostle Paul was offering thanksgiving for the believers there at the church of Colossae. Now he is saying, as we come to verse 12, here are reasons for which you should give thanks. And I want us to look at some of those reasons today. Reasons for thanks. He tells us in verse 12 that we should give thanks because the Father has qualified us. We could not qualify ourselves for the inheritance that has been granted to us. We could never have qualified ourselves, but he has qualified us in his goodness, in his grace, through his mercy, through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has qualified us, we are told, to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. The metaphor of inheritance goes all the way back to the Old Testament to that portion of time in which the inheritance was divided in Canaan between the tribes of Israel. But now our inheritance is greater, because our inheritance is the kingdom of light. What does this mean? Well, it means that your allotted inheritance is in the light, and that because of that, you have been redeemed and delivered. From darkness, what does Paul say about God himself in 1 Timothy 6.16? He is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords. It is he alone who has immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. What does the last book of the Bible say to us about the eternal state? We read in Revelation 21, And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God is its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory unto it. And Jesus said, Men love darkness rather than light, Because their deeds are evil. But those who inherit God's kingdom, according to this passage, inherit a kingdom of brilliant, pure, God-revealing light. The idea of inheritance being drawn from the Old Testament inheritance of allotments in Canaan stresses also that this is God's gift. The Father has qualified us to receive this gift. It is an inheritance because it is something we receive, not something we have earned, worked for, or somehow merited. Just as the tribes of Israel received an allotment in Canaan, so we Christians receive our share of inheritance. The reception of this inheritance is pure gift, sovereign and free. And in verse 13 we read, he has delivered us, From the domain of darkness. If indeed we have inherited a kingdom of light and we are a part of that kingdom, then we have been delivered from the domain of darkness. This is where we were outside of Christ. This is where our wills were, our desires were, our motives were in darkness. The power of darkness or the authority of darkness, it could be translated, from this we have been delivered. J.B. Lightfoot put it this way We were slaves in the land of darkness. God rescued us from its thraldom. We were under the thraldom of the kingdom of darkness once, but no longer. It is an overwhelming picture to consider, is it not? That we ourselves were in darkness, that we were under the thraldom of darkness. We belonged to the domain of darkness. The kingdom of moral darkness, darker than a million midnights in a Florida cypress swamp. But God delivered us. The thraldom of Satan has been broken. And there's more in verse 13. He has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. And so to be removed from the thraldom of darkness is to be transferred to the kingdom of light, and that is the kingdom of God's own beloved Son. Not only did He deliver us from the realm of darkness, but He transferred, or the word could actually be translated transported us. He changed our entire place of living, our entire moral environment. The verb metathisteme that is used here was often used of the deportation of peoples who had been captured in war, populations of people perhaps to establish a colony somewhere, or removing po- uh, co- populations after, after a conquest always from one place to another. And when the Assyrians took Israeli captives away with hooks in their mouths, that's an example only here. It's not with hooks in our mouths. The transference is one of sovereign love. The transference is one of sovereign grace. It is one of infinite mercy. It is one that leads us out of the thraldom of darkness into the kingdom of God's own dear Son, which is the kingdom of light. And when the Lord brought you to himself, he transferred you into the kingdom that was earned for you for all eternity, by Jesus Christ Himself. In verse fourteen, we are told, "In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin." A This word, redeem, means complete release based upon the payment of a price. And in the parallel passage of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter one, verse seven, we are told what that price was. We were redeemed through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Do you realize, is there someone here that does not realize that in order to be taken out of that darkness and brought into the kingdom of God's own dear Son, that it required the shedding of the blood of the infinitely valuable sacrifice of Jesus Christ, God, become man? Jesus' own shed blood is the price that delivered us from the domain of darkness into the domain of grace. We read in Romans 3, we are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This is how you were qualified for your inheritance. It is not by any work that you have done it is not even the Spirit's work progressively sanctifying you. What is it then? It's Jesus' blood and righteousness. Christ himself is our ultimate and exhaustive and altogether sufficient qualification for membership in the kingdom of God. Do you see the connection between verses 11 and 12? In verse 11, he prayed, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He prays for them strength, endurance, patience, joy, perseverance in the context of learning how to give thanks for those things that really matter that nothing and no one can take from us, for the amazing redeeming work of Christ. So, how basic is this matter of gratitude? Gratitude is an evidence of a redeemed heart. Gratitude kills cynicism. Gratitude and self-centeredness cannot coexist. And gratitude and truth are partners in our perseverance in the Christian life. It is a grateful life that enables you to submit to what God has for you in this life. Though many of those things be hard as we Christians live to God's glory in the midst of a fallen world, belonging to a kingdom, a kingdom that is yet to be consummated. When Samuel Davies died, Samuel Davies, that great colonial Presbyterian preacher mightily used of the Lord, he died very young, and his mother looked at his body in the coffin, and she said, there lies my only son, and there lies the will of God, and I am satisfied. Do you find that amazing? Only a heart filled with gratitude for the gospel could have such compliant spirit to the will of God as we persevere by the grace of God unto the end. Now, I think those are great reasons for which to give thanks on this day. There are many reasons for which to give thanks, but these are bedrock These are reasons that, again, nothing and no one, no matter what your circumstances, experiences have been this year, nothing can take from any believer. But I want to make a comment or two about thanksgiving and prayer. Thanksgiving should be expressed. We see this already in verse 3 and following when the Apostle Paul is giving thanks for the Colossians, and here where he tells them how they should give thanks for these wonderful truths that we've been expounding. So can't you see that Paul, with his big pastor's heart, striving on his knees before the Lord, praying for his people, prays for them first out of a heart that is filled with gratitude, with thanksgiving. Interestingly, in this passage, there is no mention of circumstances that Paul might like to see changed. There is no request to be healed. There is no request to be fed. There is no request to be protected or for other people to change. The requests focus entirely on gaining wisdom in light of the coming glory of God's kingdom to which we now by faith belong. Now, I'm not suggesting that praying for changing of circumstances, healing, feeding, protection, or any of those things is wrong or inappropriate, it certainly is right. But I wonder how often do we upon our knees do what Paul did, simply give thanks. Give thanks for one another. Uh, Give thanks for the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ by which we are redeemed and saved. Paul's, Paul's prayers are instructive in helping you and me to learn kingdom praying. And notice how theological Paul's devotion is. All true devotion is theological. Bishop Hanley Mole expressed this in a way that to me was very gripping when I read it years ago. He said that those who are preoccupied with these truths, the, the sorts of truths we've seen here this morning in this passage, those who are preoccupied with these truths will have a heart at leisure from itself. That means a heart that is no longer preoccupied with itself, a heart that is now at peace, a heart that is no longer agitated, a heart at leisure from itself. Well, why? How? Because it is a heart that is now preoccupied with Christ. Is that your heart? Now just take this away deep down into your soul and meditate upon it. The Father, if you are a child of God, the Father has made you fit, qualified for an inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. He has translated us into the kingdom of his beloved Son. And in Christ, we have redemption from our awful sins. Take these wonderful truths, these blessed certainties, and live out of them this day and every day. And may your hearts be filled with thanks. Amen and amen.